we had a worship night this past Wednesday night. It was so good. Were you guys there? How many was there at the worship night? You know what I love is not the songs necessarily. It's the heart behind them, right? Last week we talked about that, the, the heart, the backstory behind all the songs that were written. I, I can't tell you how proud I am of our worship team. Uh, Trevor, a lot of these guys were in my youth group when I was a youth pastor, and I got to invest in their lives, watch them grow, help them become leaders. And now they're writing songs for our church to sing, producing that CD album, and leading us into the heart of God. And I'm so proud. I'm so blessed by them. Aren't you guys blessed? Can you just tell our worship team thank you for all you guys do? Well, really good. Well, this morning we're um, kind of taking a break in between series and stuff. It's something that God really put on my heart. Okay, recently we've asked a bunch of our people in our, in our team meetings, leadership meetings and stuff, what, what do you like most about the different values? And I talked about values, uh, about 10, top 10 anchor church values. Um, what do you like about the culture around here? And one of the things that um, we taught and one of the things we always strive for is that we are real, that we want to be real as a staff, as anybody on this platform. But as a church, we want to be authentic. We want to be transparent. I share stuff with you guys all the time, sometimes almost too much, but it's like... I know that there's a value in it. There's a value in us being real and authentic people and showing our flaws and, and showing the, the progressive nature of the grace that covers us, right? Because none of us is perfect. Last time I checked, there's no perfect people walking around planet Earth as we're all a work in process. And so we want to be real about that stuff. And so um, I got some feedback from some cards, and a lot of that was just, we love how this church is real. This church is real. Thank you for your leaders, your worship pastors, all that stuff. And so... I took that, and I felt like God was speaking and saying, Carl, this is one of the strengths of Anchor Church. This is one of the identities. Not that other churches aren't real, but this is something that I want you really to press into, and your message and your delivery is, I want you to be authentic. I don't want you to hide and put on religious masks. Be who I've created you to be. And so I felt like God's going, but because that's a strength that I've called your church to, make sure that you're sharing that, that the rest of the church family knows that this is our identity and who we are. So today we're going to talk about getting real and why that can be a very good thing. One of the, one of the places in life that if you, if you follow and you're a part of is social media, where you really, you really quickly see the difference between real and fake. And in social media, so many, many of us see it, but we're also guilty of only posting like the highlight reel in our Instagrams and our Facebooks. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like everybody looks amazing. Like you wake up in the morning and you're just like fully made up. Oh, I just, I just rolled out of bed. And you're just like, you know, like perfect. Like, come on, you know? And um, the social media world makes fun of that. And I want to draw your attention to that in a real quick video real quick based on people who are describing their perfect Instagram picture. Okay, take a look at this stuff. Oh. Boom, now I've got 2,500 likes. I have a problem. <laughs> I just liked my own Instagram photo. The classic, candid, um, totally didn't know this photo was being taken. Yeah, I gave my phone to my friend and was like, take a picture of me walking away from this. <laughs> and I blurred out the background so it's, you know, your focus goes to me and my banging body. Guys, I'm not proud of this. Like. I'm like, oh, dorky, like, this is crazy, look at, <laughs> I don't know, that's more likable than just a girl having confidence, which is, like, really gross. This is actually in front of an eyeglasses store, and my friend had a really nice camera with him, and he was like, oh, stand there, and I'll just take your picture. There are a lot of posts where I'm looking down, and that's because I, like, 
ran analytics on my posts, and the ones that perform the best are when I'm looking down. And then he like edited it in Photoshop. This wasn't taken on my phone. I am embarrassed to tell you how many pictures this took. That's probably the 20th picture. I was home alone on a Sunday. I'm just like self-conscious about my smile, and it just wasn't working that day. So I'm like, oh, how about I cover half my face? and just open up my eyes really big. But real talk is just my hair looked cool. <laughs> this picture? For a, most of the day, I went back and forth like, should I post the video or should I post a still? In the picture, my lift looks pretty solid and in the video, it really wasn't that solid of a lift. I like ran forward. <laughs> the fact that I had that debate for like half a day in my head was just like, really, really stupid. It's me wearing this harness. I actually almost didn't post it because we took maybe like five or six and I didn't look good in all of them and I looked kind of chubby, kind of bloated in like all of them. And the last photo ended up being a candid one where I was like talking about how I want the camera to start from here because I wanted to hide like the chubs. I zoomed in um, so that people couldn't see like my little chub hanging out. I wanted to look skinnier in a photo. I think we all want to look skinny in a photo, right? I definitely don't think that I'm lying in any of my photos, but that doesn't mean that I don't heavily take into consideration what I look like or how the photo's taken, what time of day it's posted. It's like weird to think that someone with 200 followers and someone with 40 million followers can have the same insecurities. Social media is like creating this obsession with how other people perceive us. But I think that if you're living within your truth and you're being honest in your media and you're being like, this is who I am and sometimes we look amazing and we're slaying and sometimes we look like potatoes. How's that? Anybody ever feel like you look like a potato and you just... <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's a reality. The background behind all of these perfect Instagram pictures is we don't want people to know the real us, the mistakes, the ugliness, the, the, the fact that some of us are actually pretty boring, right? And we're unimpressive and we're just not as cool. So we, get, we hype it up and we put on this fake message and, and we pretend to be someone that we're not. And there's a problem with that. It's a problem that we're living with stress all the time of hiding, of covering up, of real issues that are in our lives stuff that we've done that we're guilty, we're shame of. There's things that we've been hurt, abused, hurt by people, and we're carrying the weight of that. There's stuff that we just feel like comparison, like we just don't add up to what the standard or the status quo is. And we're walking around with all of this stuff, strongholds in our lives, bottling us up, not allowing us to have freedom and full mobility like God wants us to have, simply because we're not being real with one another, with ourselves, and with God. So I believe the message that God gave me today is to speak to that. And not, not by any means come and say, I got it all down and I want to show you guys. I'm convicted of it. And I know that to find further healing, I got to get rid of some of that stuff and I got to learn to get real. So we're going to talk about getting real and how being real is better than the edited version of you. The edited version that says you come into to church, you know, how's everything going? Oh, good. It's awesome. Great. It's all G, right? It's really not all G with a lot of us, right? A lot of us, it's all T. It's really terrible in our lives, but we're not going to tell you that, right? Hey, how's everything going in your life? Oh, really? It's all G. No, it's not all G. Really, with you, it's all A, because you got some addictions that you're hiding and you're covering up for. But, hey, it's all G. It's all G. No, it's, it's all D, because you're battling depression. And the sooner we can be real and let that stuff out and acknowledge it ourselves, give it to God and, and be accountable with other people, the sooner that the healing is going to come. 
so that it can be all G again. And so I want to talk about that a little bit here this morning about how being real can kill a lot of stress in your life. You just knock it out altogether. You can find freedom. And there's a, there's a verse in Matthew, I believe it's, it's 28, and it's Jesus in the message version where he says, um, you can learn to live freely and lightly. And he talks about discovering the unforced rhythms of grace, that you can have the kind of life where I don't have to stress about all this stuff bottled up and hidden anymore because I'm just getting real and I'm letting it all out. So um, let's look in Psalm 51 today. If you guys have your Bibles or it'll be on the screen as well. I want to read to you Psalm 51. I want to read the whole Psalm. Many of the Psalms are written by King David. You guys ever heard of that guy in the Bible? David, David and Goliath, anybody? Have you heard of him? Yeah, just nod you. Okay, good, right on. King David, he's an awesome guy. King, the, the most incredible king of Israel. The people loved him. He was a people's champ, right? He's like, man, uh, we had Saul before, and they would, they would sing songs. Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. They loved David. David had an integrous heart. He was the, the little guy that came up against the giant because he had such a passion for God. You guys know the story, right? The little shepherd boy. And he's like, what? That Philistine giant is talking smack on my God? I'm going to step up to this guy. I'm going to take him out. Hey, you want to wear the armor? No, it doesn't fit me. I got a slingshot, right? The guy's like nine feet tall with a spear and all of this. And David is so fired up on God and his passion for God. He goes, yeah, I can take him because my God is behind me, right? You guys know the story defeats the giant. He goes through all this crazy transition between Saul, the king that supposedly loves him, but also is throwing spears at him and hates him. And there's this, all this conflict. He's on the run, but he keeps his integrity. He doesn't, he doesn't harm God's anointed, the king above him. He's just this man of God. He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a king. He's a rugged dude, right? You guys like that word rugged? Remember how we use that for moms? Anybody, anyone tell your mom lately that she's rugged in a good way? Come on, that's a good word. Start using that word. That's a good word when you know what that means. But here's David. He's a solid guy. And he's writing all these psalms. He's like a worship leader. He, he plays instruments and he writes incredible poetry and songs. And you read Psalm 51, and it's crazy because he's shattered, he's broken, he's repentant, he's done something wrong, and he's calling out to God. Now, here's the backstory because backstory matters, doesn't it? You could read Psalm 51 and go, well, it's pretty cool. It's a good, good set of words there. It's encouraging. When you really understand that here's this man of God, this king that's loved by the people, and he's integrous heart and all this stuff. And yet one day, when all of his troops were out at war, he happened to be on the top of the roof of his palace, and he's looking around at all of his kingdom, and he's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then he sees somebody like, whoa, what's that going on over there? He sees this woman, Bathsheba. She's taking a bath on her roof. She's naked. And he's going, I got to get me some of that, right? So he says, hey, go get that lady. Bring her over here. Right? I'm just trying to be real, right? That's a, right? Like, oh, God, look at that one. You did good with that one, right? And he calls her over, and he does the dirty. She's married. David's married, right, to many other wives. That's a whole other story in itself. But here's King David taking advantage, and he sleeps with this woman. He gets her pregnant. And then the husband's out at war, and he tries to set things up. Make a long story short, he tries to set it up so it looked like she's pregnant by, from her own husband. It doesn't work out. So basically, he has her husband put on the front lines of battle and has him killed basically murdered because he tried to cover up his own issues and his own dirt and his own life. And we're at this place now in Psalm 51 where this guy Nathan comes along, who's a friend of David's, who's actually a prophet of God. And David's hiding this stuff. And so he's stressing like you and me. I got dirt in my life, but I don't want anybody to know. I'm only going to post the good pictures. Here's David the warrior. I don't want him to see what happened with the woman that was on the 
on the rooftop bathing, right? He's like, he's hiding, he's covering up. Nathan comes along and he says this, hey, let me, let me tell you a story, David. And he goes, yeah, cool, you're, you're a prophet, give me something good. Story of two guys, rich guy and a poor guy. Rich guy has all this sheep, all this cattle, all this money, whatever he wants to do, he can, he can do. Poor guy owns one little lamb. And they raise this little lamb, this little sheep. It's like their own, like they just love it. And rich guy says, I'm having some company over. I want to throw a barbecue. And instead of taking any of his tons of animals and, and lambs and all of this stuff, he grabs the one poor guy's only lamb. And he serves it up. And that's like his barbecue for the menu that night. And so Nathan's telling this story to David. And David goes, who's that guy? That guy deserves to die. And Nathan drops a bomb and he goes, you are that man. And in one short statement, he draws attention to the fact that you've blown it, you're covering something up, and it needs to get exposed if you want healing. And David is at this place where he's just like, oh my gosh, I got a choice to make. I can continue to hide it. I'm the king. Nobody talks to me that way. Or he can go, now nah, God is the most important thing in my life. I got to get real. And this is an example of, of David getting real. Look at Psalm 51. When you know the backstory, it changes everything. But look what he says. David crying out to God, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Here's David going, let's be real. I get it. I did something wrong. I'm admitting it, God. It's haunting me. I, I'm tired of holding this in and bottling it up. This is terrible, and I know I did it. Against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. Not trying to push the blame. Not trying to blame like, oh, who's this Nathan guy coming in here? Oh, Bathsheba made me do it. All oh, of this. He doesn't justify it. He's just like, God, I blew it against you and you're all I care about. I love this psalm. He goes, you'll be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. Look, I realize I hurt our relationship, God. Do whatever you need to do because this matters a lot. He goes, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. In other words, life hurts right now and I don't have any reason to be stoked on anything, God. This hurts me. I gotta deal with this stuff. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit with me, within me. Interesting, he's not saying, I'm going to have a right spirit. He goes, you got to do it. You got to help me. Can you create it? Can you renew it in me? I can't do it on my own. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. God, I'm not really willing and I don't have the willpower to obey you. Would you please help me make me willing to obey you? Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Look, I'm going to be a blessing when I get through this that other people are going to find Jesus because of what you're doing in my life. I love that. He goes, forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. In other words, I know I murdered a guy. Then I will joyfully sing your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, Lord, that I may, my mouth may praise you. Give me a reason to praise again. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. You know what that saying is? You don't want religion, God. You don't want me to fake it and look holy if I can't actually be holy. He says, the sacrifice you desire, God, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Remember that word broken, because I want to talk about it in a little bit. Brokenness. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then the bulls will again be sacrificed on your 
altar. Now, this is a psalm of a guy that's, that's broken, and he's deciding to come clean and to get real. In fact, it's, it's so important to him that he actually writes it down and puts it in with the catalog of the rest of the psalms that he's written. And he's basically saying, God, not only do I feel this way, I want to be accountable to it. I'm going to let everybody know. I want to be real with this thing. And I want whoever's going to ever read this thing. For thousands of years, we've been reading this psalm where David said, I'm not ashamed to get real because I need this out of my life. That's great. That's like in the modern day and time, you go through something and you type up a Facebook post of it and you put the picture of how ugly you are and what you did and you just go, I want everybody to know because I need to be through and healed of this brokenness and this hurt inside. You guys get what I'm saying today? Today's a little bit of a heavy message, but it's a real message that we all need. If you want healing, you want freedom in a lot of areas of life, you got to just get real. Let this stuff go. Stop pretending, right? Because God likes it when we're broken. So I want to give you a few things today about how you can kill stress in your life by getting real. And what are some steps you can take? I think these are things that are going to give you real freedom. And here's the first one if you're taking notes is you got to get real with yourself. First step is you got to get real with yourself because if you get real with yourself, you're killing the stress of hiding and pretending all the time. All of us have issues. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't have something crazy that's going on. And the sooner we're able to get those things out and, and give them up and be honest with ourselves, the sooner we're going to walk in freedom. But you got to admit to yourself that there's something wrong. Come clean. Own up to it. There's problems. There's guilt. There's shame. There's stuff going on in your life. Don't make excuses. David could have easily said, you know what? I sinned. Yeah, but it's Bathsheba's fault. She's taking a bath naked. God, that's her bad, right? And I, I saw it. What am I supposed to do? God, that's your fault. You made her super hot. That's your bad, God. I'm going to blame you, right? That's what we do. We justify it. You get caught and you're like, no, 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 like, like, oh, no, Nathan, don't step to me. Don't tell me pointing out stuff in my life. But here's David. He goes, man, I got to admit this. What did he say in that, in that psalm? I've sinned against you and you alone, oh God. It's me. I did this. There's stuff in my life. He owns up to it. It's embarrassing and it's humbling. But here's the thing I know about humility, guys, in Scripture. It always says, and from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that God will honor humility. If you can be a humble person, it sets you up for greater blessings because God wants someone whose heart is moldable, flexible, open, and not hiding anything. Here's a couple verses, Matthew 23, 12. It says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's a promise that when you get real and you humble yourself, then God goes, I like that, and I'm going to reward that, and you're going to get exalted. Proverbs 22, 4 says, true humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. But you got to own it. You want that stuff to happen in your life? You got to own that stuff. Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, you got to live with yourself. At the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and you know what you've done and who you are. Now, let's just be clear on this. I'm not just trying to come against like sin and wrongdoing in your life. It could be that you're just holding on to issues that you're hiding where you've been the victim. You didn't even do anything wrong but you've been abused in one way or another. You've been gossiped about. You've been through some heartaches and some hurts. But you know what? I don't want to let anybody know that I'm weak. I don't want anybody know, to know that I'm, I'm hurt. You know, like everybody posts all those cool things on Instagram and Facebook that says, be strong and walk through your problems and you can overcome. And I don't want anybody to know that I'm actually broken inside and that this kills me and this hurts me. But see, until you're willing to admit that that stuff is actually there, you're never actually going to get any stronger. You're going to just stay broken on the inside. It's the kind of stuff that you don't want to let people know that you're maybe angry at God. 
oh, that's wrong, that's sinful, that's unbiblical. No, the reality is the Psalms are full of David crying out and going, God, I'm going to be real with you right now. I'm mad at you. Where are you? I'm in the valleys right now. My enemies are, I'm on the ground and they're beating me as I'm on the ground. Where are you? When are you going to show up? Right? He's being real. And God's going, I like that spirit, buddy. That's so good. Just keep crying out. Here's the deal. You can be angry at God because God can take it. Did you know that? You can say whatever you want to at God. God is big enough to go, it's cool. When my kids throw fits and stuff, and they're like, yeah. My, my son, when he was little, he used to always get real mad. And he would say, I would always be like, hey, take it easy, buddy. We're all, we're all friends here. And then he'd get mad at that, right? He's like three years old. I go, hey, calm down. We're all friends here. And he goes, no, I'm not your friend. <laughs> and then he would throw in for emphasis the word either because he thought that meant, I'm not your friend, either. And he would just use either as like a, like, uh, uh, just an angry word. He didn't really know like the context of it. He's like, no, I don't want to eat that either. And I was like, hey, well, here's the thing. I can take it. You know, I laugh. Like you're a kid. Like you get, I get it. You're grumpy or whatever. God's saying, just get real with me. It's okay. Cry out in, in anger and hurt. But you got to admit what's really going on in your life. Don't, don't try to pretend. Don't try to put on a religious mask. So get real with yourself. What's that going to take? What does that look like today? Some of the stuff that you're just like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that place in my mind, God. It's a, it's a rough spot. And God's going, you know what? I want you to go there because that's the first step. Because here's the second step is you got to get real with God. Get real with yourself, but then you can get real with God. That kills the stress in your life from letting God down. Can you imagine what David was living with? The stress of letting God down. God was the very reason that he was the king that he was, the kind of man that he was. God was the very reason that when he was a young shepherd boy, helped him kill a, a lion and a bear and then kill Goliath with a, a rock and a slingshot. God was the reason for all of his success in life. And he let down the very source of all of that love and all the time. All of the times that God has come through with you in your life, in my life. And when I let him down, oh my gosh, that stresses me out. And I live with it. And how funny and ironic is it that God sees everything he knows about it anyway. And we try to like, oh, I don't want to tell God. I don't want to tell God. He's right there. He like created you. He's been with you since birth, right? So we got to get real with him and it kills that stress. Here's the deal. You got to fix the most important relationship. The most important relationship before it's people around you. In this world, it's, it's this relationship, right? This is what we call the vertical relationship is more important than the horizontal relationship. You gotta fix that one first and everything else comes together. And so here's David, and he's not afraid to cry out. It says in verse four, against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done evil in your sight. You gotta get this. Here's a picture of David who's, nobody tells me what to do. I'm the king of Israel. I'm the man. I'm a warrior. I've fought some guys. I've killed some guys. And I'm big and I'm bad and everybody loves me and I don't answer to anybody. But here's David, when you read this psalm, you get a picture of the guy's probably on his face. He's probably on the ground just going, oh my gosh, God, I blew it before you. This mighty warrior king that's not ashamed to say, I need you, God. I've screwed up big time. And you gotta, you gotta look at this and admire that this guy, look at these words he's saying, just purify me. Like you, you can do whatever you want to me. I trust your judgment. Like he's crying out to God. Can you imagine that there's probably tears involved? It's probably not the kind of like, oh, he's, he's sad for himself. It's ugly cry stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about? Your face is leaking, like, like from like, oh. I once kind of helped mediate a breakup when I was a youth pastor. There was a guy and a girl that were, that the girl's like, oh, this isn't working. I got to break up, but he's so emotional and weird that I don't want to do it alone. Can you help me? It's like, this is the first time I've ever had to like mediate a breakup, right? Between kids. 
I called him into my office, and we were sitting there, and I'm kind of like, well, hey, can you share your story? Well, I just feel like it's kind of not working out. And the guy's like, but, it, but I love you. And I'm like, oh, no, right? And so she says her little deal, like, no, it's just not working. I mean, we got to see God on this, and I want to do what's right, and it's not going to work out. And all of a sudden, the guy puts his head down. And I'm like, uh-oh. And we don't hear anything from him. I'm like, waiting, and I look at the girl. She's looking at me. And then all of a sudden, you're, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going on, right? And he's just like, whoa. He's just sobbing, like just like desperation. And his head pops up, and it's just leaking all over. Like, Literally like a puddle on the desk because he's just so bummed, and I'm so disgusted. And, <laughs> and we work through it, and it's all okay. They survive and everything. But here's the deal. When you get real with God, don't pretend. Don't just put on the religious mask. Jesus actually got bummed at people that did that. In Matthew 23, he's blasting the Pharisees and religious leaders because they're looking super holy. We tithe, we do this, we, you know, look at, look at how awesome we are. But he goes, but you're not really holy. You're looking holy, but you're not being holy. And God's going, get real with me. And if it takes an ugly cry in your shower or in your car, you know, just put the shades on and on your way, worship music, and you're just like, oh, God, just go for it. Let it happen because God wants us broken. Do you understand the reason that God wants us broken is not to humiliate us. It's not to judge us. It's not to make us wallow in our pain. You know why God likes us broken? Because God is the great fixer. You see, one of the things I know about God is that it refers to him in scripture as a male, as a, as a man, right? He's a father. So we realize, oh, he's, he's a guy. It's not God isn't a woman. Here's one of the reasons I know that. Because if you screw up and you're broken and you come to God and it was a woman, when women get something that's broken, what do they do? They throw it away, buy another one. <laughs> Gives me a chance to go shopping. <laughs> but here's the thing about most guys. Take it easy, women. I'm going to come back to you in a minute here. <laughs> don't hate, don't hate. Here's the thing about God is, he's like a lot of us guys is, someone comes to us with something broken, how many of you guys are like, dude, I can fix that? Come on, guys, right? A chance to use my tools. You have no idea. MacGyver, pfft, I'm better than that guy, right? And you just like, if my kids bring to me something like, oh, Barbie doll is broken or whatever, I'm like, dude, I'm on this. My, my wife is like, I throw it away, I'll buy her another one. I'm like, no, I can fix this. I live for this kind of stuff. I'm a man. Come on. Give me, let me use my tools. And if I don't have the right tools, I'll make the right tools. <laughs> I will get a coat hanger and, and sand it down and twist it and wrap duct tape and whatever. I will make sure that that thing works, right? The Barbie doll is fixed, but it's got like a crazy bionic arm now or something, right? And my daughter's like, well, hey, you know what happened to this? It's better, stronger, faster. That's what dad can do, right? Because why? Because I'm a fixer. Here's the thing you got to know about God. We're so shamed. Oh, it's, I'm so embarrassed. I got this in my life. I can't get rid of the abuse that's been done to me. I can't get rid of like, the, the things that I've done to other people. And it's so hard. I don't want to let God know. And God's like, come on, bring it, baby. Come on. I want you. Show me you're broken because I'm the great fixer. I want to fix everything. And there's times when we're just, we're so humiliated and we just don't want to give it up. And God's going, I'm the only one that, look, if you read the, the words in this, this verse here, in this psalm, he's going, I'm the only one that can purify, that can forgive, that can clean up your heart and your spirit, that can give you joy and can unseal your lips so that you have a reason to praise. I'm the only one that can do that. I'm the fixer. And the reason I want you broken is not to shame you or make you feel bad. It's so that I can have permission in your life 
to fix what's broken. Whatever you're hiding here today, may not even feel like hiding. It's just like, ah, I just, I don't know, I think it's that important. I don't want to give it to God. You got to know that God wants to give it back to you even better than it ever was in the beginning. He's a great fixer. That's a word for somebody here this morning. So find a place, find a time, and get real with God, and do it daily so you don't have to wait until the ugly cry comes up, but just do it on the regular. God, this is a little bit broke. I'm just letting you know where I'm at. Hey, that's awesome, Carl. I can fix it. I can help you with anything you're going through. Your unforgiveness, your mistakes, your anger, the guilt you're feeling, just get real with me. Here's the third thing. After you're getting real with yourself, admitting there's a problem, after you've given it to God and you're like, God, yes, I've, I've given it to you. I need your help. The third thing is this. It's really important is that you need to get real with friends. That God created us for community. Do you realize that God himself is community, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's always been that. He's always going to be that. He created us in his image, which means that we're created for community, that we need each other. Not only do we need relationship with him, but all the places in the scripture that talk about the one another's and the each other's, the fact that his own son came and he wasn't like on a solo mission. He was like, no, it's me and these 12 guys. And actually, really want to go deep and get really real, it's me, Peter, James, and John, the three, right? Jesus modeled it for us. But we need connection. James 5, 16, if we're, it, it talks about this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The stress that it's killing when we get real with other people, the right people, right? You got to filter them out. You got to be selective. The stress that it's killing is the fact that I don't have to stress about doing life alone, that I've given it to God, but God's given me people that can walk through life with me right now, that can hold my hand, that can pray for me, that I can text at all hours of the day, that will come to church and build me up, and they're going to help meet my needs. All of us need account, uh, accountability and support, and that's what it is to have other people in our lives that we can confess this stuff to and get real with. But listen, I know this. I know it's risky, and I know it takes time, and I know some of you are afraid to get real with other people because you've been hurt before, and you've been abused. I get that, and it takes time. Tom and I, Pastor Tom, he's preaching at a Huimanu campus right now. We have a killer relationship where we can tell each other anything. We can call each other on anything, and it's, it's amazing, and it runs deep. I've known Tom since seventh grade, but let me tell you this. It's not the time that I've known him that has given us that kind of a friendship because there was years of our life where it was pretty shallow. The thing that got us to the point of being really real friends and real with each other wasn't the time. It's that we walk through fire together in different areas of our lives. There's several situations in his life and in my life that we've walked through together. And that's what brought us to the point where today I can literally come in any time, call him any time of day, night, whatever. And I can say, dude, I'm struggling with this. Or I'm hurting over this. Or I'm angry about this. And he's going to be there. He's going to listen. He's not going to judge me. He's not going to blab it to anybody else and gossip about it. He's not going to ignore it. He's going to take it seriously, and he's going to allow me to be real with him. Here's what I think you need to do. Find friends that you can be real with. And secondly, you need to find, you need to find friends who are real with you because it goes both ways, right? Think about this. David was able to confess to Nathan. Nathan called him on something, but David was able to go, I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. And it's risky, and it takes time, and you can't tell everybody, right? There's stuff from this stage that I won't tell you. I'll be as real as I can from this level. I'll invite you into my living room, but I won't invite you into my bedroom. There's some stuff that's just like, uh, there's only a select few of people. See, I understand that, but you got to find those people. You can't tell everybody. You got to tell somebody. James says, confess it to each other. Find out who those each others are in your life 
and then stick to those kind of people because you need those people. People that you can get real with, but also the friends who are real with you. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Then Romans 12, 9, Paul writes, Don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. See, it's one thing to find friends that you can let it all out to. And those are hard, and you got to filter out because you're going to say some stuff, and some people are going to ignore you. Some people are going to gossip about you. Some people are going to give you stupid advice. Filter all of those out and find the ones that are real because those are worth finding and holding on to. But what you also want to do is find the ones that on their end, they're real with you. Think about this is Nathan called David on his stuff. <laughs> he called him on his stuff, right? David messed up. And Nathan came along and he goes, oh, let me tell you a little story. You're that man, right? He called him on it. There's a time in my life when I was offended by something that someone emailed me. And I was like, how's this guy calling me on this? And, and I went to Tom and I go, how's this? This guy's like calling me this and that and da 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 And then Tom goes, um, could it be that maybe because like you've been hurt before, that maybe you're just too sensitive and this guy's not really being that offensive? I was like, what? I'll show you sensitive, Tom, you know? <laughs> the reality was he was right. And I thank God for friends like that. He was right. He pointed out something that was in my blind spot that I didn't see about myself. He's a real enough friend that says, I'm going to risk possibly hurting the friendship right now because I care about what's best for you. I'm going to tell you something like it is. Find friends like that. Whatever it takes this week to start looking to say, I got to be real with people, but I need to find people that are real with me. Church is a great place to start. Connect groups is a great place to start. Celebrate recovery. There's, we have so much stuff that's a good place to start in looking and finding those friends. But start somewhere. Don't let a bad relationship problem of the past keep you from finding the awesome friends that God has for you in your future. Yeah, you've been hurt before. I've been hurt before too. Bad by people that I thought were tight, super hurt. But that's not going to stop me from finding the right ones because I need them in my life. Amen? Man, we need those people. And here's the last thing is that you, you're real with yourself, you're real with God, and you're real with friends. The last one is it, it leads to getting real healing, which kills the stress when you get real healing, permanent healing, it kills the stress of walking around with a limp all the days of your life or walking around with open wounds that are going to limit you from full mobility of doing all the things that God wants you to do, right? Some of us are like, I got real with myself. I know my problems. I told God all about it. He knows. I ugly cried with God. I get it. And I got friends that know my stuff. And then, then the next step is, but are you going to actually allow the healing process to begin? Good. That's good that you told everybody. But if you don't actually receive the healing, it's like this. How many of you guys hate going to the doctor? Anybody in here? You hate going to the doctor? And then the, the, what you discover is you don't go to the doctor, you get more sick. Or you keep living with your sickness. And you read all the statistics of deaths and illnesses that could have been re prevented if you would have gone to the doctor and allowed for the healing process to start. Oh, I don't want to get a shot. I don't want to take that medicine. I don't want to go to therapy. But when you allow the healing to happen, you're walking around the rest of your days healed with no limitations, with no disabilities, and you're stronger than you ever were before. Here's the deal that I'm talking about is you got to allow the doctor to heal you. you got to allow the healing to come through friends, to come through God himself. Again, James 5, 16, we just read it. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's not just enough to, well, I confess, but you want to wait, hold out for the healing. 
The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. Hold out for those wonderful results. Allow God to do what he needs to do. Let me tell you this. The reason that we don't allow for the healing is because the healing oftentimes brings temporary discomfort. To really allow the healing, man, I got to do some stuff that's going to embarrass me or it's going to be hard. I don't want to have that talk with someone. I don't want to admit that I did that. No, I don't want to go to counseling. No, I don't want to start these new habits and things in my life because it's hard, it's uncomfortable, and, and I don't like that. But the sooner that you allow the temporary discomfort, what you find is it brings permanent and lasting healing. And it's going to get uncomfortable for a little while when you open yourself up. It's like, it's like this. How many of you men in here, married men in here, you have wives? Let's get real here. They like to pop the pimples on your body. Anybody? You got that? I'm just being real right now. Anybody like that? You don't want to admit it. That's cool. Whatever. I'm going to tell you about me. Oftentimes, I'll get a pimple on my back, okay? It's not like I have major back knee or anything like that, but once in a while, I get like a bomb, right? So every night, I'm, I'm, sh I'm showering off, and I'm in front of the mirror, and I'm brushing my teeth, and here comes my wife. She spies it, right? She, she lives for those things. Anybody? Come on. You got wives like that? You don't admit it. You're scared. This is, I get it. Public place. Don't talk about pimples. But me, I'm brushing my teeth, and my wife's like, oh, my gosh, you have a huge zit. I'm like, ah, thanks for making me feel bad. She goes, no, I got this. I got this. As I'm brushing my teeth, she's over there. And I'm like, ah, ah, right? Because it hurts like crazy. And I'm like, don't touch it, don't touch it. But the reality is, I always let her touch it. <laughs> and the reason is because it is super painful at the moment. But guess what? It cleaned it out. It's all good. She shows me, like, hey, right on. Good job. I'm, I'm being real with you guys here, right? I'm like, good one, babe. Solid. Clean it up, wipe it off. No more pain, no more back knee. I can take my shirt off at the beach and, like, it's all good. Here's the thing is, we got pimples in our lives, right? And we're just like, no, it's going to hurt too much to pop it. And God's going, hey, when you get real and you allow for someone to get in there and do that, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. But guess what? You're going to be free and clear. No more back knee. You're solid. You're good. How many of us in our lives, though, there's stuff that we got to do that we just got to say, God, I need to receive the healing. I've confessed it, but now is the time. I need to just allow for this healing. See, here's the thing about David. When David cried out to God like this and he got real, God had mercy on him. He didn't kill him. He had grace on him. There's consequences he had to go through. But it literally says in the Bible, 1,100 years later, okay, from the time of David in like 1060 BC to the book of Acts around 60 AD, 1,100 years later, they talk about King David. And you know what they say about David? He's a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, God goes, thank you for being real with me, David. Now, they don't call David a man after God's own heart because he was sinless or because he was perfect, because none of us are. Well, they call him that because here's a guy that constantly, when he messed up, he got real before the Lord and he got real before other people. He got so real that he wrote it down into a book that we're reading for thousands of years now, Psalm 51, and we're realizing this guy was unashamed to be real with people and to deal with the stuff and allow God to bring the healing. And one of the things that God's teaching me in this is, Carl, put your money where your mouth is. Start doing things to, to be real and to get real. Don't be the Instagram pastor that only, you know, posts all the cool selfies. So I actually did this the other day. I actually posted a picture of myself. Do we have that picture? I posted a picture of myself <laughs> looking as shot as possible. 
Because guess what? That's the real me, guys. Like, I literally woke up, and this mosquito was biting me all night, and I was just super mad about it. And I was, like, thinking about this thing, and God's all, hey, I dare you to post that one. And I'm like, you know what? To keep me in check for not being some pastor that needs to be made up and looking cool and holy to you guys all, I need to post more pictures like that to keep my ego in check and to remind me that I need to keep it real, that I need to get real. You guys get what I'm saying? It's a little silly step, but I want everything it takes in my life to stay real before you, before man, before God, before myself. End of the day, I got to live with myself. And my desire for you guys today is, what do you need to work on so that you could begin to get real and God can bring some healing in your life? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we, we love you. We thank you for being real with us. We thank you for all that you've done for us, for taking a chance on us, for sending your son Jesus to give us a second chance, and we totally didn't deserve it. But God, you're so good. Thank you for uh, all the things that you show us about ourselves daily, and Lord, then it's up to us to do something about it. Lord, I pray for my church family here, Lord, that we would be known for a church that is totally real, that is transparent that we're not going to hide anything, we're not going to try to put on pretense and, and big images and, and try to look holy. Lord, it, you're not impressed with how many services we go to. You're not impressed by our He Greater Than I t-shirts and our anchor stickers on the, on the, on the car and our, the fact that we own all of Hillsong's United's worship CDs or any of that silly stuff, God. That's cool and that blesses our life, but we're not going to fool anybody into looking religious and looking holy if we're not really, honestly, holy and living holy lives. So Lord, I pray that it would be more about who we are in you than what we do and what we look like. Lord, would we, be, would we come to terms this week with ourselves, with you, and with other people and let it all out so that we can get the healing that you promise us? I want to say a prayer right now with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ as your God, honestly, ultimately giving him permission to do what he needs to do in your life, if you've maybe grown up around church or you've been to church before, you've been to church, you've even read the Bible, that doesn't really make you a Christian. That just means you heard some stuff and you read some stuff. But what really makes you a follower of Jesus Christ and allows him to have room to begin to heal your life and to fix what's broken is when you tell him that you actually believe in him and what he came to do at the cross and the grave and that you're re receiving all of his input into your life and that you're going to follow him for your entire lifetime and on into eternity. It's really allowing him to really be your God, your father, your, your Lord and your savior and your friend. And that's a step that you've never taken, but this morning you're feeling like a, maybe a tug on your heart or just an impression that you, you need to do some stuff to get real. And maybe this is the first step, saying yes to God and really walking out of here saying, I'm a Christian and I know it, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and he's about to do some incredible stuff in my life. If that's you, I wanna say a prayer with you right now. Here's how we're going to do it. It's going to be real simple. I'm going to pray the words out loud, but I'm asking you to pray them in your heart. You'd own them in your heart because God judges us on our heart. Now he's stoked when we go and we confess it with our mouth. We tell people about it. So after church, you can say, hey, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Carl in there. And that's cool. God loves that you own up to him. But right now, I want to take care of the heart. So if you want to pray this prayer to become a Christian right now and see what God could do in your life, before I pray with you in a minute here, I'm going to pray out loud, you quietly, pri privately in your heart. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to count to three and ask you to raise your hand on the count of three if you want to pray this prayer right now in your heart. And then we'll go ahead and we'll pray together. I just want to acknowledge you. I want to know who I get the privilege of leading into the greatest prayer you'll ever pray. So ready? On the count of three, if that's you, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Anybody right now, just lift them up. I want to hold them up high. I want to see them. I want to count you. I see one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm looking around. Anybody else in here? Eleven. Someone else over here? At least eleven people in the room. Maybe twelve right there. I didn't see that one. Okay, awesome. I saw you, little ones over here. Go ahead and put your hands down. I want you to pray this. This is your prayer to God. You're just listening to my words, but this is your prayer in your heart to God right now. God, I'm here today, and, and I need you, and I want you. I'm ready to make some changes, Lord, and I believe that you're bigger and you're better and your ways and plans are better than mine, so I want to say yes to what you have for me. Lord, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to come down, to become human, to teach us how to have a relationship with you. He went to the cross to pay the price for my sin and my separation from you, God, that he paid, that he took the hit so I don't have to. Lord, not only did he die for me, but on the third day he did what only God could do, and he defeated death and he rose from the grave proven that I have victory over eternal death, spiritual death, but not only that, over sin and guilt and shame and bondage and hurts and hangups and all the junk in my life. And Lord, if I say yes to you right now, which I'm saying, God, I believe in you, Lord, that you're going to clean me up and you're going to do incredible things in my life. I don't have to be perfect, Lord. You're going to work on me. So Lord, I'm telling you right now, I'm committed to following you, to going to church, to reading my Bible, to getting baptized, to saying yes to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. All that you have for me, God, from the bottom of my heart, my answer is yes, I will follow you. Thank you for right now, as I cried out, you accepted me in. I look forward to what you're about to do in my life as I live and I follow you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for those people. Woo. I'm real.